Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Cherry Jam. A uh, little bit of a different start this week. Um, I'm joined by Mark Cummings from BBC Radio Gloucestershire and The Morning Show, The Breakfast Show, um, who very kindly a couple of weeks ago helped us out and uh, did a bit of um, plugging for us. We went on the uh, Cummings County Quiz and we're victorious, I might add. Um, and uh, so we're going to have a chat with Mark now. And then what we'll do is, um, in, as, as you listen to the pod, the normal chat amongst the lads will uh, follow on. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate you, uh, your time. Um, now, we're recording this on the Friday evening. So as we speak, the Bristol game will be kicking off in about 45 minutes, I think, or 50 minutes. Um, and um, uh, very rare of me to say I actually wish them luck. They're the English team, so. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Strange <laughs> um, feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, I, I know that, um, so what we wanted to chat about is you are, you're coming from a, a different position to uh, some of the other people I've been talking to recently in that you aren't from Gloucestershire originally and you've come to watch the rugby club or become a fan of the rugby club as a later date um so I thought I suppose start off with um I believe you're a Yorkshire lad so growing up in Yorkshire what if any experiences of rugby union or did you have or was it league yeah I mean league was a big thing although I preferred union but I didn't have a club and interestingly I lived very near Otley Mm. and Otley Nigel Melville was Otley uh Tyndale Mm -hmm. Mike Tins is an Otley lad um, but I, I had no club at all. Um, and what I loved was international rugby, and it would be in the 70s. So I loved the flow of international rugby. Actually, I'm married to a Welsh girl, and I, I, she's downstairs. I can't really say this, but I loved the, the glamour of the Welsh team in the 70s. Mm-hmm. They really captured my imagination. And the English, I loved all the home internationals, but absolutely no club rugby at all. That wasn't part of my DNA. It just wasn't the thing. I was footy mad, but I loved international rugby. But what's really ironic is when I've interviewed and got to know Mike Tyndall and Nigel Melville back in the day, of course, literally five minutes from where I grew up, was their club, Otley. But yeah, played it at school, but I didn't enjoy it because I'm a big bloke and they always put me in the scrum and the dark arts of the scrum. I thought, I don't want to be doing this. Um, So yes, it wasn't a love affair apart from international rugby growing up. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Otley um, is um, is one of the only play. Well, Otley were, were a club, and I think they were a ground that hosted a World Cup international in 1991, as as did Kingsome. Yeah, Useless yeah. bit of information there, but there we go. Um, yeah, they were one of the very few. I think they played. I think Italy played. I want to say Italy played uh, United States. I think I might be wrong. Someone will correct me. I'm sure. Um, and then, you know, your professional career. Um, you're obviously a radio BBC radio presenter, and you're. Um, very much the heart of Radio Gloucestershire. Um, when did you move down to Gloucestershire? So it was interesting you talk about 1991 because mm. I was traveling in 1991. I just met my wife, who's, who's now my wife, and we went traveling and we watched the World Cup final in a backpackers hostel in Northern Australia, where Lovely we lost. Place. Where we lost. Australia. <laughs> Uh, and then when we came back, I moved from the north and the middle is where I'd worked down here because Joe was based down here. And she's a big, she's probably a bigger rugby fan than I was at the time. So it was be the early to mid 90s when I came down. And I, it was so I suppose when I started getting into Gloucester rugby, it was still that. It wasn't the professional era, really. There was a guy called Barry Corliss who was the coach. He was my first coach, I remember. And you'd have Simon Debs, you'll have that, that mob of players who were just going from that amateur to professional era so my first experience of Gloucester rugby do seem like a long time ago but that would be my first in uh, going to the occasional game um 
just getting to know them in that way. And God, I'm just trying to imagine the ground was so different in those days. Yeah. You know, you, you'd have the bar by the side of the pitch. And yeah, it was very different. So it was, it was small steps at the beginning when I, when I joined, but you do get this interesting insight through the job into the club. Was there any particular sort of moment that um, you started to not fall in love with the club? Did you have a, a particular moment that you thought, ah, hang on a minute, they're, they're, they've got their hooks into me? Was it a particular sort of early moment? It wouldn't have to be a game. It's just a sort of experience. Yeah. Or... I mean, there weren't any real early moments. There, there, were, there were the coaches that came and went. I remember having Richard Hill on my show, a lovely man. Had him in for an hour. We did a phone in. Thought, what a lovely guy. Next day, next day he got fired. Oh. <laughs> they, they come and go. Um, um, so in the early days, not really. I think Sinbad was the first player where you just thought, oh, I just want to. I just want to watch this guy. So I think it was Sinbad who was the first one who just, you know, when you talk about capturing the heart and the tug. And then, interestingly, I've only been a season ticket holder for about the last three years. And the reason being, I've got kids and you work hard during the week, weekends to sort of go off. And it's a day, it's a day isn't it? But I get the train in because I live in sort of not too far from Sirencester Stroud, Tetbury area. So I get the train from Kemble full of cherry and white shirts. We go in, we have a couple of, I, I need to, I get so nervous now, I have to have beers before the game. And it's, it's almost like a whole day. And only in the last two or three years as the girls have grown up and sort of left home, have I actually got a season ticket. But I remember one game where I took my daughter, Ali, and this wasn't that long ago, I can't remember, seven or eight years ago. And it was Harlequins, and I don't know, anyone remembers it, Johnny May scored the most mesmeric try. One of the I do remember that one, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he picked it up, and he, I don't know how many people he beat, and and you could feel the build of the crowd, and you could feel this anticipation. And I, that's where I took my, my my youngest daughter, Ali. She was quite young at the time, and I think that was that was that was a really big moment actually sharing that with my girl and both daughters, but especially Ali, stand with me in the shed now when they can and share games. That that got me. I must admit. Yeah, I, it, it's for me. Um, I, I I've explained before on the pod that. Um, my my sort of the moment they called me was was really early on. I was, it was like the second game, proper game I'd been to, which was the Bath game, and we talk about it quite a lot. And um, there were, it was a number of things, but it, it was just the sheer amount of noise. I've never, and you know, we have sixteen and a half thousand people go to Gloucester now, sixteen thousand. Um, and back then there was only eleven thousand in the ground. As you said, the this is back in the mid nineties or when you started watching early nineties. Yeah. Um, you had the the Worcester Street end was just that kind of low shed style te uh, yeah. terrace. You know, the old grandstand, the season, the uh, the members bar, which I re I, I do uh, remember having to do yeah. double they do uh, double shuffles, so you'd have the seat the old season ticket and do that to get people in and stuff, yeah. um, you know, and um, the amount of noise from such a small, yeah. compact ground was incredible. Um, now, it, in terms of your you sort of being a season ticket holder for three the last three years, you you've kind of had the full gamut then as a season ticket holder in yeah. the last three years. Then we've had. Misery, joy, more misery, yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 infrequent bits of, of good play. Do you find um, I'm going to this season? We'll we'll sort of discount this season. But how quickly did you kind of set into that routine? You mentioned going to the pub and having a few drinks. Mm. Did you, was it was it quite immediate? Did you suddenly find you have to search around for a pub that you went to, or did you find? No, I got in with a lovely crowd of guys who all tend to listen to the show. I, I used to just turn up, go on my, I'd go with friends. I'd often take friends or or my family with me, but quite often go on my own and just stand in the shed. And I, through the job, you just know so many people. You walk along the front of the shed and you say, "You can take your ten minutes to get to your slot," because there's 
I've been broadcasting for 25 years in Gloucestershire. And that's a, that to me is such a lovely thing, the warmth of being in front of the chair that we are. But I've got, I, three or four years ago, there's a lovely group of people who we stand, we're always on TV. So we're two thirds of the way down, not too far from the 22. And there's a guy called Nigel Galling. You'll always see him on TV. We're right at the front. He's a bald guy. And then there's, there's um, Graham with a bit, he looks like Santa Claus. And the legend, Maurice Blakeway, who shares <laughs> the run with us. Maurice has been there since the Tom Pennies. Maurice is near, he's 80 next year, and he's been going since he was six. And all their friends and family. And, and that's where we stand. And I've become part of their family. And I treasure them. I absolutely do. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, I, I, I don't know if anyone else feels like this. I get really new and I, I enjoy it, but it's pain and pleasure. So that's why I have to extend the day. I have to make it a day to drink before, <laughs> to be there and then commiserate or celebrate afterwards. Because I actually do find it. Um, I find it nerve wracking. I love it. But I also, like, as any fan, and Gloucester, you know, you know what we're like, 10, 15 points ahead. We never go 30 points ahead. We never do, ever. That Leicester game a few seasons ago when we were 28 points ahead, that's with that will never leave me. And even this season when they were playing um, in a closed King zone, Gloucester raced into that really early lead, looked quite comfortable. And um, it, it, it was like watching, deja, well, it was deja vu in front of your own eyes. It was happening again. And I was like, oh my God, I can't cope with this again. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely an experience watching Gloucester. Um, it's not. I mean, I've I've often said actually, it would be boring if we won every week. But it would be nice to be boring just occasionally. It's just watching the clock, isn't it? I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm doing the maths. Do you do the maths? Yes. Sometimes I get the maths <laughs> wrong, and I think, oh, they need two converted tries that were okay, and then I realise, oh no, they don't need. They just need one try, and I'm just watching the countdown. Oh my god! I've got to tell you though, one of my favourite nights was, and you'll know this, It was. A, I love Friday night games, actually. I know not everyone's thrilled with them, but I love a Friday night game. And i got two friends who I live near who love rugby, but never been to King's Home. They love their rugby. And I said, right, I'm going to take you, take you to a game in the shed. It was a Friday night, and it was the Saris game. And they were in the shed, and they were with all my mates, and they couldn't believe the atmosphere and, and, and the banter. And that night, I just... It was the fact that Saris were ahead and the clock had gone, if I'm right, and they could have just booted it out, but they went for the extra try. Ashton was offside on the halfway line. And, I, you know, people had gone, didn't they? People were going out the ground. And then suddenly it all went quiet. And then we thought, hang on a sec, get a penalty. If Hookie gets it, we actually win. I, I don't know, the night, that atmosphere at Kingston, but I had two of my best mates you know, when you want to show off your club, you want yep. to show yeah. the thing you love, you want them to love what you love. And when it went over, and we were going to go home, but we didn't. And we went to the, we actually went to the Queens. The only place we get into was the Queens. And there, there was a coal fire going. And we just started ordering the beers. And there was a group of old guys at the next table who started doing like male voice singing. So mm -hmm. the Gloucester fans, but they were, they just got into a round of, of singing uh, Welsh, uh, Welsh male voice choir stuff. I can't, Ed, I can't tell you that night. I will never forget it. it was that, I think, of all the nights at King's Home. And people still talk. I had Hookie on the show because he's now back in Wales, retired, isn't he? he's now writing yep. children's yeah. books. And we played that try back to him. And I just said to him, I don't care whatever you did at Gloucester, you will always be loved for that, that moment. Yeah, I agree. The, the, that game in particular, and you talk about people leaving, I think 
I think I was halfway down the grandstand steps and I don't leave early. I mean, I think in all the years I've watched Gloucester, I think only, I've only left early once. But the, yeah, that Saracens game, you know, you're just kind of waiting for them to give yeah. a try and then you will go home. Um, and it was it was quite funny watching everyone suddenly turning around and running back into the stadium to figure yeah, out what's yeah. going on. Um, yeah. yeah, there's another one I remember, actually, similar situation, Gloucester played Worcester, uh, maybe six or seven years ago. And um, similar situation, looked like Gloucester were going to lose. And with the last play of the game, Johnny May goes down the wing and um, gets cuts inside and gets tripped. Um plays on for about a minute we drop the ball and everyone's kind of walking away and then suddenly the 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 referee does the whole this and everyone's like well what's he looking at yeah. and then and then of course we've got everyone's got on the the headphones and all we hear is a red card penalty try and it just plays goes absolutely bonkers and you're like, <laughs> like but i always think some people don't have that some people haven't got yeah, the exactly. they don't they don't know what's going on there's no communication between the referee and the the, yeah. the ground so I do sometimes think it, rugby can be a bit impenetrable to people who haven't got a clue what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, you kind of mentioned a few things here, which was favourite player. Now, Simpson, yeah. Simpson Daniel, I'll be honest, every time we speak to anybody at the moment, Simpson Daniel is pretty much number one. Um, is there any other body else that, you know, for you, don't even have to be a big superstar that we've had at the club, but someone you, um, you, you kind of just love a little bit more than you probably should <laughs> yeah well, I, it is a big name but it is phil vickery because he's just the nicest man in the world and he's he listens to the show he will talk about him he'll email me in i you know i've got to know him well over the years and he fix is just the loveliest man i mean when we won the world cup him and woody to, to get them in the studio and do a phone in with them after we won the world cup was was just immense and I, I, he's such a lovely guy and he loves the county and he's altruistic and He's just fascinating, and I, I adore Vix. I must admit. Um, I mean, Johnny, Johnny May, because um, of the impact he had with with my daughter Ali. Because when I was a football from that, I was still I was a Leeds fan in the seventies. Still, I'm a massive Leeds fan, football wise. And there's a guy called Duncan McKenzie who played for Leeds, who was really, really um, a maverick, and he was he he just got me into football. And I remember him, and I think with my daughters, Johnny May. Although Ollie Thorley seems to be a favourite at the moment, more for his style of play, but also his looks, I have to say. <laughs> I love it because they just, you know, I love it when, when your family connects. You know, you do need those players. Um, they do, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Ed Slater at the moment. I mean, funny, when Johnny went and we got Ed Slater, I mean, there are certain players um, that you just think are, are just there. They're, they're sort of the, the, the warp and weft. They're the thing that bind the whole team together. Um, but yeah, it are. God, we could talk about this forever. That's the that's the beauty of this, though, and that's the joy of it is that you can just keep chatting about it, and and that's kind of the reason for the pod, really, is more than anything else, is that you've got five blokes who who um, who all love the club, and we all chat about it. Um, you mentioned the Saracens game um, yeah. as a favourite match, um, and I, I kind of you know it is one of my favourites for recent years. Um, I think um, it's because people forget, although you have the hooks penalty at the end. There were two or three absolutely well. There was an amazing try from um, uh, Callum Braley, I think it was, who, yeah. who scored off the end of a uh, Johnny May and Gareth Evans um, run. Um, in terms of um, away and European experiences, have you actually had to? Have you had many of those? Have you had any sort oh, of? It's funny. I, did, I mean, the only I haven't been to Europe. I keep getting asked and told I should do it, and I will do as soon as we can. I suppose the best away game was when we won in the Stoop against Edinburgh. I mean, the yin and the yang, then we lost up in Edinburgh, didn't we, uh, mm. a couple of years later. That, I'll tell you about that. That was a funny night. But the Edinburgh game, um, I did the breakfast show. 
the guy I, who was helping me on the show did the travel was a, a lifelong Gloucester fan. He doesn't work with us anymore. Lovely guy called Jack Miles. He got the job. When we interviewed him for the job of travel and co-host, he said, I've got a season ticket for Gloucester Rugby. I was there last night. We went, right, you got the job. Nobody else got the job. He was a lovely guy. So we did the show together. Didn't get any sleep. We drove to the stoop. Oh, my God. They put us through it that night, didn't they? Um, who got sent off? Uh, that was Billy Meeks, Meeks got sent off. Billy Meeks and Kev got a yellow, didn't he? But then yeah. the last 10 minutes, the way, um, we just controlled that game. Hibbs was amazing. Um, Greg was amazing. Um, and we had slept up, so I've been up since three, and then I had to drive back. And I'm ne- I was, yeah, driving back, and I stopped at Reading Services. And all of Gloucester had stopped at Reading Services, there were about three coaches. And we took over Reading, so it was just, it was just red and white. And it, I got knows, 11, 12 o'clock. And it was just lovely, Gloucester fans, not in Gloucester, on the way home to Gloucester, having a party at Reading Services. Just, just crazy. But then when we went up, I wanted to get to see the Edinburgh, when we got to the final in Edinburgh. I thought, how can I do this? Because I, so I, I did a deal with work that I'd present the breakfast show. Then I, at 8 30, uh, the show finished at nine in those days. And, but to get the train, I have to leave the show at 8.30. So someone else took over at 8.30. And I did a bit from the station, jumped on the train. I think we went to Birmingham. We did various different manoeuvres to get up to Edinburgh. And... Um, I was with lots of Gloucester fans who've now become great friends. Got to Edinburgh. I think we checked in at a dodgy little hotel, then get straight to Murrayfield. Then I had to host the, the evening show from five till seven from the ground with no sleep. But that was fine. And then obviously we lost. It was really disappointing. And it was about 10 o'clock at night and we were up in at Murrayfield with all the commentary team who were very well behaved lads. They were all going to go back to the hotel, apart from Simon Devereux. And Devereux just went, <laughs> Shall we? I went, yeah, all right. So we went out into Edinburgh and we stayed out to about three in the morning. We got back to the hotel. So I've been up 24 hours. And he went, well, don't worry, mate, you can have a lion, can't you? And I went, I can have a lion. And then suddenly hit me, I'd agreed to co-host the Saturday breakfast show from the hotel <laughs> the following morning. <laughs> so I had, and there's a, there was a picture that was taken of me with my head in my hands, hangover from hell. Uh, and then I did the Saturday breakfast. So two very different experiences, but it's kind of living the whole, when you do a breakfast show, you do get adrenaline energy, but I've seen so many Gloucester games having had no sleep, um, which is kind of, there's, I don't know, there's something quite nice about that as well, but those two were mega, but the, the night with Stu was lovely. It was so great, wasn't it, that night? I really enjoyed that night. Um, for, so I'd said, Loz and I, uh, we ended up um, staying in London afterwards. So we actually got to enjoy it in London um and um had some quite interesting experiences Loz, i think it was one of Loz's first times ever out in london and um it, it was i mean it, the, the 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 there's a few stories i can't tell uh for obvious reasons but there is one story which is quite funny so we went to this bavarian beer keller place next to the hotel we were standing right down by tower bridge and um walked in there we were absolutely buzzing up you know we were so happy like the adrenaline was through the roof and uh went to go to the bar and the bloke said, oh, no, no, sit down, sit down, it's fine. We'll, it will come over, it's table service, it's fine. Uh, anyway, bloke comes over the menus and it's, it's quite expensive. It's a beer keller in London and uh, all the rest of it. And just to give you an idea how close we were to the bar, I could have reached over and poured the pint myself. That's how close we were to the bar, but we were on table service. Anyway, ordered uh, two, I think we ordered four steins, like two pint yeah. steins, just to get him, get him in, you know. And... Um, Next thing I know, the, the bill comes across, and I've never seen I lost his face as he realized they charged us table service. Yeah. 
for something yeah. that literally you could have walked yeah. out, you know, you could have leant over. I think it, I think it was like a fiver <laughs> on top of the like 30 quid for the pints. Yeah. I, think, I thought he was going to kill somebody. Wow. But, um, <laughs> um, now, one final thing before we, we sort of finish tonight, and that was yeah. um, you've you mentioned actually in our quiz about some of the experiences you've had and, and sort of the access that you get as someone yeah. at the BBC and the breakfast show. Um, one of which involved being dressed as Batman. Yeah. Um, with uh, an Argentinian lock. We had uh, Mario Galazzo, if I remember serving yeah. right. Um, so we've anything other than, well, please talk about that one, but any other, any other stories are, you might there's have? There's a few, aren't there? Yeah. So that was a, God, what was it for? Children in need. So myself and the guy who does the breakfast show, BBC Wiltshire, and I can't remember why, but we had to go as Batman and Robin from Malmesbury to King's Home. So it's like a marathon on our yeah, own two feet. And I was Batman. And then we went to King's Home and then we did all the press and publicity and Mario came out and we did a, a line out. And... We jumped and he, I didn't realize I had so much padding on, but he actually picked me up so he, I could take the ball above him. And I thought I'd just done it myself. I thought I was Batman. And then me and Ben just raced around the pictures, Batman and Robin, and, and, and to be able to score a try. Oh, that, that was fun. Um, what else have I done? I did the crossbar challenge at half time uh, for sports relief um, and I got it on the fifth. And then I was interviewed and I did, I said something derogatory about Bath Rugby and Points West, edit that out because I didn't want that, which is great. I love, I love it when my own BBC banned me from stuff because I take the, I take the mickey out of Bristol Bath. Do you know, one of the most moving things, Ed, was a couple of years ago for, um, uh, it was, it was all raising about £70,000 for, to get some people to help when it comes to homeless shelters and open a homeless shelter. So 70 people in the county were asked to go to King's Home and spend the night sleeping there was in October and Vix was there serving out the food and loads of people there were 70 of us and we had to raise money and they got way over 70,000 and it was great and it absolutely sustained some funding for a year and it was a great thing and I did my show from there the next morning so I had my radio hat on but I did sleep in the shed um, with and, and I was next to a few people who from a mayor's charity who have been out on the streets themselves and, and your connection, it's not far from where I stand in the shed. Uh, and I didn't get much sleep, but I probably slept for about a couple of hours just on some um, cardboard. But that, that, was that was incredibly moving. And for a year, I was the mock mayor of Barton, which is this lovely old thing that goes back in history, uh, Civil War time, where we took, took the mick out of the mayor of Gloucester. And when Barton was deemed not part of the city anymore, yeah. so they elected their own mayor, and he's there to take the mick It was lovely. And it was a real honour to be the mock mayor and on the Wednesday night I was made mock mayor at One Eye Jacks which was a very very boozy night I remember having to go on the radio the next morning and interview the leader of county council about the incinerator and asking <laughs> some very very pertinent questions with my head bouncing out anyway that was great but then on the Friday night before Gloucester Day where you then paraded around the city it was Exeter it was the first game of the season at home to Exeter on a Friday oh, okay night. right yeah oh god so I went to, I went in the shed dressed as the mock mayor um, and the photos of me with my mates in the shed as the mock mayor, you know, they're my, one of my favourite, I was there, I was mock mayor for a whole year, that was probably one of my favourite memories, and, and it was brilliant because we won against Exeter, um, who scored the tries, it was brilliant, oh, Jason oh, Woodward in the last minute, Jason Woodward in the last minute, right in front of us, yeah, and then I went into Gloucester the next morning to be paraded around the gate streets, and the whole city was alive, not just because it was Gloucester Day, it was beautiful weather, but because we'd won on the Friday night. 
you know, the city on a Saturday, having one on the Friday. That was just amazing. Yeah, I, I love that. And then as because my job was to take the Mickey out of the Mayor of Gloucester, a couple of night, a couple of games later on a Friday night, I can't remember who we were playing, we reinvented the old tug of war in front of the shed. Because back in the Mayor of Gloucester, you'd have tug of wars between yeah. opposing supporters. So I it was Mock Mayor versus Mayor of Gloucester in front of the shed doing tug of war on a Friday night. Um, so all of those things just add another little connection with the club. It is, it is a privilege to have those little moments because it does draw you even closer. It, it's, it's been a privilege speaking to you this evening, um, Mark. And um, one thing you, which has been a common, common thread really through um, all the people I've been talking to is how much the club, I think, um, it, it disseminates not only through to the city, but the people. And it's not just the city, of course, it's the whole county and the region, really. Um, and how much it affects people and how much it brings people together. That's the thing I think as well. It's the, the rugby club is this, there is a sport in there and it's, and it's a professional sport and there's people earning a living, but actually the impact on the city and the county is huge. And um, I've got five, four or five great mates who I do the pod with, um, who I wouldn't have met if I hadn't been for the rugby club. Um, and um you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, I think it's an, it's a really, really vital part of the city. And I hope that the people who are um, in charge uh, realise that it's not just Gloucester as well. This goes across the country um, and not just rugby, it's football, cricket, the rest. And hopefully um, we'll be back watching games soon. Um, and again, as I have to now, I have to offer a pint to every single person I interview. So you're now on the list as well. My first round is going to be horrifically expensive. Um, so uh, you're on the list as six, I think, seven. I've got to buy. Um, I'm hoping there's a few lemonades and cokes in here because um, otherwise it's going to be get, yeah, it's going to be quite expensive. Um, but thank you so much. Um, I really do appreciate your time. Um, and um, I'll plug it anyway. I mean, not that you need a plug, but we'll plug it anyway. But obviously, uh, Mark Cummings is breakfast show. Uh, every morning, Monday to Friday, with Radio Gloucestershire, um, and do do keep an ear out for the county quiz because it is very good fun. I can attest to that personally. Um, and um, yeah, thanks again. You do a great job. I love it, and we'll we'll talk more. We'll get you back on the quiz. But I just like you just said, we just want to get back, don't we? We just want to get back, and when we get back, I've got a beer lined up, which is yeah. Great. <laughs> thanks, Dad. It's been a thanks joy. A lot. Been Cheers, Mark. And now I'm joined by Lawrence Landre, James Eastwood and Jim Harley. Russ is uh, currently filling out some sort of form, apparently, uh, so he's unable to uh, meet us tonight. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to have a chat now about the two European Cup finals, the Bristol victory uh, over Toulon and Exeter's thrilling victory over Racing. Um, and then we'll have a bit of a discussion about the upcoming final and the potential farce that could develop. But We'll come back to that in a bit. So we'll start off with the Bristol game. Um, did everyone watch it? You can be honest. Yeah, Hi- highlights. Highlights only. Okay, fair enough. That's absolutely fine. Uh, but I have to be honest, I'm sure when you saw the highlights, um, it was a bloody good game. There were lots of highlights. Mm. Uh, within, within, within 30, se- within 30 <laughs> seconds. It was like <laughs> 12 <laughs> seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable start. Um, and I have to be honest, um, you know, despite them being uh, our rivals, uh, uh, you know, fair play to them. They they played incredibly good uh, good rugby um, and were very deserved win uh, winners on the evening. Um, 
so any any takeaways anybody want to go ahead with any sort of comments or takeaways of that game I, th- I think to be fair uh, Bristol deserve it on reflection of their whole season but especially the way they've played since um, the COVID crisis I think they are a really exciting team they, they can play from anywhere sometimes a bit like when we were really on form and and that was what a lot of people said about us. We we're exciting and we, we could play from anywhere. Occasionally teams can work them out and they suddenly mm. don't quite look so good. Um, but it, it's been really effective and they have, they're not just a team of backs by any stretch of the imagination. They've, they've, I think they've got a really good balance of big name, well-paid players that potentially might, might need a bit of a closer look. Um, but they've also got a lot of young players that they have developed or they've picked up from elsewhere. And there seems to be a really good balance in the team. And, and players like Harry Thacker are just bringing fantastic uh, sort of that position that he brings the forwards and the backs together. He plays that linking role fantastically. Yeah. The other thing as well is they've shown that they can dog it out. They showed it against Saracens when they, uh, after the restart, where, where they won with the last play of the match to to pinch it. Um, and hot, Well, not last play, but very late in the game, then held on, and also this final as well because they scored thirty odd points, but only scored two tries. The rest of it was kicked, so that's, that's proof that the pack is turning the really turning the screw and putting the pressure on. So it's showing that they can dog it out as well as play the the fancy damn flair rugby, which they've become renowned for recently. The other thing with for me as well is just Pat Lamb just keeps on getting more and more impressive. I think he, he obviously was impressive before, but his comments about how it's more important for Lua Tua to go off with the family, um, that, that's a sign of a cracking ethos. If you're a player, you know that you're being looked after. So as we've mentioned before on a few football analogies, it's almost a Jurgen Klopp giving them a hug sort of thing around the players. But the other thing as well is what has been, I, saw, I read a couple of hours ago about how he said that it would be absolutely unsatisfactory if Bristol go to the final. It's a was of one, uh, and basically it, it sh- they shouldn't be playing in the final if Wasps can't make it, which I think is fair. Well, we'll come back to that in a bit. Um, yeah. your, your point, um, Loz, about the um, the well, well done for getting the ethos in. Well done. Um, but the the um, the uh, the ethos of Bristol. I thought, uh, to be fair to him, I thought that the two standout players for me on the night were. Um, well, Radrado was excellent. I mean, obviously, I think Harry Randall got man of the match um, and quite rightly, I think he played 78 minutes or 79 minutes um, and pretty well controlled the game. Uh, but John Afo was immense. Um, again, um, just, you know, a ridiculous player and uh, the skill set on that bloke is just another level, really. Um, I thought Toulon were a bit dull at times. Um, the referee clearly had marked out what he wanted to break down and what he wanted to the scrums and they just seemed to totally ignore it. Um, and um, unfortunately, Sergio Parise is very much a shadow of his former self. I mean, I know I think he's going to retire in the, in the next couple of weeks, but um, all, all he seemed to be doing was just arguing with the ref um, and moaning and whinging. And I think it's just a sad reflection. Unfortunately, well, he seems to, he seems it's to a sign of a very player. frustrated player, isn't it? He's obviously very frustrated. Yeah, and uh, and he's you know not um, not playing the way that he he wishes he still could, um, but fair play to Toulon because I mean after that that start they could mm. so easily have put their heads down and and then ended up being three scores down, and and they kept the game you know pretty cl- pretty close didn't they? They've got went in up at half time, didn't they? Yeah, 
but I mean they, they've got that they've got that stardust still sprinkled around the squad, haven't they? I mean they're not the Galacticos of uh, the Johnny Wilkinson era, but they've still got enough talent there that you probably expect them to win most home games they play, and you know they've got enough about them. Um, I thought the uh, the one thing I did think it was quite comical again, and we'll come on to it. It was a major feature of the final bit of the um, the, the Champions Cup was the, the continuous talking between the referee and the timekeeper for the last five minutes of the game because they kept getting the clock wrong, um, which we'll come on to now. Um, so the Champions Cup final, uh, Racing and uh, Exeter, was probably, again, I mean, we, I've said it a few times, but the quality of the rugby in the Champions Cup this season has been, at times, ridiculous. Um, you know, it's near enough test level at times. And again, on, on um, Saturday, it was an incredible game of rugby. Um, who wants to go first? Don't all yeah, shout well, at once. I will then. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> go well, on. I will then. I will then. Um, yeah, that, that was, the, the quality of the match was superb for a final. Amount of tries as well. And it wasn't mistakes causing tries. It was just good play causing the tries. And one thing which very impressed me about Exeter is they stepped up to that sort of standard. We've seen before the likes of Racing find that level in previous European competitions when they got all the star players playing like they had. But Exeter struggled in Europe up until this season, really. Um, and they've managed to really, really hit the heights that needed to be done. Um, they're very pragmatic in the way they play. They're not, they don't lack any skill. You can't lack skill because there's sheer few errors that they make. The reason why they're so bloody good is because they don't make any errors. They know what they've got to do and they carry it out without making mistakes. And it's you have to doff your cat well and truly to them for that sort of accuracy and ability. It's not the most exciting. It's not you know, they don't tend to score tries like Bristol or Racing do. That with that that nature, I should say. But they are they're still a hell of a team. And, Whilst it's, I don't think I could watch it week in, week out all the time. I would like to win as much as what they do. People say they're boring, don't they? But I, I think they're fantastic to watch because the way that they're, they're like the old Leicester that used to win everything. Like they'll just work out an opposition, break them down, and then win the way that they need to win against that specific team. And that's that's not always going to be for wide and, and with flair. And they haven't got a lot of pure pace with like Jack Noel. Um, those sort of players but they, they can still score some some really good tries and, mm. and score from deep um, I always think it, it's funny that you, you now get a lot of people saying that referees don't penalise Exeter like they penalise other teams and they don't notice them all diving off their feet and those sort of comments that's a sign of a good team because whenever a team is starting to dominate at the, the top of English rugby they're the comments that always come out so if I was an Exeter fan I'd love to see that from opposition fans True, true. I mean, I think I probably would disagree with, as well, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Snowy, in terms of that they work out a team um, and the weaknesses, etc. Um, but I do think Exeter would be a very different team if you took away the rolling mall. Um, Which they are incredibly good at. Amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a team. I mean, Exeter, oh, sorry, you mentioned Leicester. Um and um, back in the day, the, it was the old thing about Leicester. You had to you had to bring down the rolling ball because otherwise, going to score a try. And extra are that good that you don't even get to, you can't even bring down the rolling ball. Um, you know they're they're that they, good at it. Yeah, they preempt yeah, it and roll around, and they're already ten meters in front of the person that pulled. Well, 
pull the just like players it. down. If you do manage to pull it down, then they just go pick and drive, pick and drive, pick and drive. And they're not bad at doing that either, are they? Yeah, yeah. 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 Give, a, give away a few yellow cards and we'll carry on doing it against the, the, the 14, the 13, the 12 men. I mean, yeah. try yeah. it. And then it doesn't it doesn't always work for them, but I think the difficult thing to say is how good would they be without it? Well, it it, it doesn't matter because it works. No, and you're always going to do what's effective and what works. Yeah, they'd find um, something else, wouldn't they? Yeah, mm. yeah. No, I think I think I think one of the big things that seems to get overlooked actually yeah, to a point is that the coaching at the at Exeter is obviously very very good, as Loz mentioned. It, it, they're a very incredibly well drilled side. They don't make mistakes, or they make very very few mistakes. Um, and it also goes from one to twenty-three as well. You know, you look at their bench um, on Saturday, and you compare their bench to Racing's bench, and it's just there's no comparison. I mean, Exeter's dead, dead players there who were coming, who came up through uh, the Championship, or who were very, very, um, you know, they were purchased a couple of years into the Premiership, but were not seen as any way glamorous or exciting. Um, and they're still like Ben Moon, Yendall. Um, you know they're still plugging away and they're still getting going up doing yeah, the job. Incredibly, aren't they? incredibly hard-working team players. I mean, they are so much stronger than the sum of their parts, aren't they? Oh, yeah. aren't they just? Yeah. Um, I was speaking so- to one of I was speaking to one of their sponsors the other day, and um, they they have a contract with the club that if they put on an event and they do it twice a year, four players from the club have to attend. It's like a dinner, mm. and whenever they've done it, they've had eight or nine players come. And I'll stay there all evening and chat to everybody. And I said that that's just that is ingrained in us in the culture of the club um, that we give back to the community and the community give back to us. And it, it does give you some insight into that, that it's not just about what you're doing on the pitch. You have to build that culture around the entire club. Mm. And I think, again, we, we bemoan Saracens and their cheating. But from what I understand, Saracens were a very similar Wolfpack mentality. Wolfpack mentality. They go, you know, it's, it's one as it's all as one and all the rest of it. Um, and maybe that's that's something that Gloucester probably, and I think what we probably all agree with actually. I mean, Gloucester, I would never criticise the players, you know, their busy lives, but um, maybe that's an area Gloucester maybe needs need to look at in terms of developing that culture throughout, not just the squad, but throughout the, the whole club. Um, it seems to be a, a thing. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it, has there ever been a French team that's had such a thing? You know, too long. You think probably? You think when they were in their in their pomp, in their pomp and they were I think. Stuff? Mind you, it's a different yeah. thing, isn't it? Because they had so many. I mean, they're just they're, 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 they're superstars they're from all over the world, don't they? I mean, yeah. maybe maybe a team like Munster when they were doing well, when they weren't doing so well, and then eventually were. You know, they sort mm. of really had that that team togetherness. That don't worry, guys, we're going to keep grinding at it, and we will win, lift that trophy one day, which obviously they did. And then Sky went a little bit silly about it, didn't they? But. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll come Scott, on. To- Scott, you were going, Scott, we're going silly about it well before they went. Well, true, before they true, were, well, true, yeah. true, true, true. true. Uh, one thing I would say, we'll come on to the media darlings thing because it was a comment, it was a point that was raised um, in our group chat um, about the media darlings. But um, before we do that, I'll just touch on Racing, really. Um, I thought, I mean, they're obviously an incredible team. They've got some amazing players and the amount of talent, again, I mean, Simon Zebo was incredible. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of him, but I thought he was, as I've not really rated him for a few years, but obviously he's had his injuries, but I thought he played brilliantly. Randrada was quiet, not Randrada, sorry, Vakatawa started the game um, uh, pretty um, explosively, um, but seemed to go a bit quieter. Um, and Finn Russell had one of those games, very much like Cipriani, uh, can turn a game positively very, very quickly. I mean, the past for Zebo's second try, I think it was, was 
out of this world. But then second half throws an absolute shocker. Um, and um, extra score, uh, interception, and pretty much yeah. win the game. Pretty much. Jack Knoll, thank you very much. Yeah, Tar, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it, but then, and, you know, if I was going to pick a fly half um, for the Lions and everyone talks about Finn Russell, wouldn't be him because you need control. Um, and I don't think he's got that level of control. He wants to do the whole superstar stuff all the time. And I worry if you're a Lions uh, selector, were you going to, you know, he's a great player to have um, up your sleeves, but would you trust him? Uh, he's, he's, mm. he's cool. I think, I think if, if you put him on and you were 10 points down, you know, is he the player that would come in with a cool head and take the opportunities or is he going to force everything and, and try and try and score with every play? Um, That's the trouble with mercurial players though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's that would be the only thing I would say, and I, and I think if you if you were looking at which player looked the most, I mean it's difficult to say because obviously Exeter had a dominant pack, but um, Simmons, it, it was an armchair ride, but I thought he was excellent at ten again, um, and I question surely he's got to be in on the radar as a a possible player for England again. You know, you think well Farrell if he gets in, you know he's injured, suspended, all the rest of it, um, on the basis he can't tackle. Uh, that at least some you know you're going to have to bring somebody in. So Marcus Smith is one. Simmons is another. Um, I thought I thought Simmons was very you know for for such a young ten. He really twenty three and he's only twenty three. Yeah, he controlled the game very very well. Cool head, kicked the goals. Uh, I think he was you know excellent. Yeah, uh, one thing I would say as well actually is another player who since since we've come back from. Um, lockdown and we've had the you know the post-covid games um and he's fit is Slade looks world class every time I see him he's just head and shoulders one of the best players on the pitch and he's brilliant again on Saturday I mean just he's got he's one of the very few players at Exeter who is a flair player who has got that little bit of extra um but um yeah I thought he was he was very good as well um and actually, quickly, uh, one thing Loz and I mentioned, um, oh, I think Loz mentioned, sorry, in the group chat, um, was uh, a Bristol player who, God, I really, really hope we get him, which is Malins, because he's just, I mean, that try you scored was just wonderful. Just saying that now, please, Gloucester, sign Malins. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd have him over, I'd have, I genuinely would have him over Vakatawa. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, actually. I, yeah. I think he's, he's got a lot more, he's got a lot more development as well. I think he'll get better. Yeah, and also plays ten and fifteen, which is two places we're a bit short-staffed, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, uh, we'll go on to the media darlings bit now. So uh, um, Russ, particularly, although he's not here this evening, uh, was rather vocal on his annoyance that um, Bristol are the new media darlings. Um, I could argue that Exeter are equally as annoying as the new media darlings. What? What? Do we should we really pay much attention to it, or are we quite happy that just let let them have their moment in the, in the light, and it's just frustrating it's not Gloucester. If you worked for the media and you're going to report on something about domestic rugby in England, what are you going to cover? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the interesting things are how well Bristol and Exeter are doing. Um, I mean, if I was reading the Telegraph, I would not be interested in the trials and tribulations of the seasonally eighth place Gloucester Rugby Club. Yeah. Um, that's just the truth of the matter. If you're playing interesting rugby and doing interesting things, you'll get the media coverage. Ideally, not for a sort of Saracen-style media coverage, but no. Some of the things that I was basically getting that was the fact that 
the, the, just the overboardness, not so much with Exeter because they're, they're, they've won the Champions Cup and thoroughly deserve every pull that they're getting at the moment. It's just the way they're going on about Bristol. This is not knocking Bristol as such. This is just the media, I want to clarify. Just the way they're going on about it. It was their first final. Congratulations, they've done well. And yes, they've come up from the Championship. But let's be fair, we're not talking a small team here. This is the richest team in England. No team has got more money than what they have. No one has got a backer as rich as what hit, uh, Bristol have. Right? And, and, the, and it's, only the comes... ch- it's only the ch- Challenge Cup. Exactly. We've won it twice. You know, and, and it, it, it's great. It's great because it's a piece of silverware to stick in your cabinet and, you know, everyone goes home on the bus happy. But I remember, you know, returning from Champions Cup victory, um, Challenge Cup's victories, just thinking, it's not the Champions Cup, though. You know, it's that... Yeah. It's that feeling that it was, I, it was great and I'm happy, but one day I want to win the proper one. I think it's because yeah. it's Toulon as well. So we know Toulon are, aren't the side they once were, yeah. um, but it's still a huge name for the media to put out there yeah. with Bristol having beaten. I think if they had beaten um, La Rochelle in the final, then it, it would have been a... Yeah, it was they, less, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah, true. Yeah, but you're... It doesn't matter what French team you're playing. If you're playing them in the Challenge Cup, they failed to get in the Champions Cup, haven't they? Let's be fair. It's no different to us being in it, ultimately. It's, they weren't good enough in the previous season. And that, that's why they're there. They're, they're not the team they were. I get what you're saying, Snow, but they're not the team they were. They, they resemble more the team when we put 70 points on them in the Challenge Cup than they do the team <laughs> that, that won the Champions Cup three times now. So mm. it's... And dynasties move on, especially ones which are built out with foundations made out of paper or sand yeah. or whichever analogy you want to use. Yeah, I mean, the paper, pa- yeah, yeah, exactly. The paper and the money being the money, you know. What I would say though, what I would say is that Bristol, you know, off the back of losing their semi-final, they did, they did turn up, didn't they? They, they yes. kind of put that to the back of their minds and they went right. This is our cup final now, and they went and they went and they did, they did really well. Um, so, so that's great for them because they could have easily had a bit of a hangover from the semi-final, and they and they absolutely didn't. Mm. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, for the Brist, you know, for the Bristol fans out there, that they can sort of carry on in that form next year, because I think it's only going to make the league stronger, isn't it? If 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 we got teams that are that much better, really. Yeah. yeah. Sure. With, with with regards to your, um, they recovered from the semi final comment, Jim. I think they were they were never going to be affected too much by the semi final, because they put all their eggs in one basket for Europe this year, and they actually just snuck in the back door into fourth place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. And I, I I think if they'd won that and got to the final, yeah, then obviously they're going to take the the uh, league seriously. But I I think that would have just been a bonus. It was a plus from getting into that semi final. Um, and the main the main match for them was the final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of selection, um, there wasn't a huge amount of difference between the two sides. Into the side that played um, Wasps and the side that played Toulon, um, you'd even argue actually the side that played Toulon was slightly weaker uh, without Luatua um, and a few others. But um, but uh, coming on to the. Um, <laughs> The actual final Premiership final. Well done, Loz. Nice, nice transition. Good. Uh, getting, see, we're getting better. Um, <laughs> right. So it should be this Saturday. It should be um, Exeter playing Wasps. 
And I think by right, the two most exciting teams or the best teams this year, um, they're in the final. Uh, that, but that, that run that run from Wasps to, to, to get second place was just fantastic. They really yeah. were yeah. a team to beat. Incredible. And um, and they're playing really good, exciting rugby. And, 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 and uh, you know, they hammered Exeter. I know Exeter had a week inside out, but they hammered Exeter. A few weeks they hammered the just about everyone they played. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but... Uh, as of this evening, as we record this on a Monday night, uh, they've had another three positive tests, COVID tests, meaning I think there's now seven players and three staff. They're, they're staff. scarily like the sale position from a couple of weeks ago, aren't they? Yep. Um, and what is being touted, or apparently it's officially now, uh, if Wasps have more positive tests tomorrow, uh, which would then get confirmed on Wednesday, um, Bristol, as Loz intimated earlier, would be promoted as a losing semi-finalist into the final to play Exeter. Um, Madness. Now, it's it's a shame, isn't it, that we don't have some sort of system that can be played over a number of weeks, say 22 weeks, and um, determines the team that is the best out of those 22 weeks, depending on how many wins, losses or draws or points they get. Oh yeah, it's called a league, and we have that. And Exeter finished top of it. Why don't we just if if Wasps can't play because of COVID, they, they cannot be any. It has to be just said right. Extra one, yeah. Player welfare. I mean, the fact that none of the big wigs can go to Twickenham to watch it anyway. It's not making any money. What's the point of having the so match? It's it's just so pointless. Yeah, I think any Bristolian that thought they were blooming champions after losing a semi-final and then winning a final should that happen it's ridiculous yeah, the, the I mean Bristol it's a question a sport I'm... question for, for, for years to come isn't it the, the Bristol Sorry, fans what? I know have said they'd want Exeter to have the trophy straight off and maybe play it as an exhibition game or not play it at all um, and the thing is if it, if it does happen there is no good result because if Exeter just smashed Bristol it'd be what was the point of that if mm. Bristol win it everyone would go well it doesn't count yeah. Um, I it's, I just think the whole concept of that game isn't good isn't good for the game. And as you say, we'd normally say, "Oh, they're just doing it for money," but it can't be that either in this scenario. Uh, and but, I, and so I, you, you really do have to ask the question: What sort of bellends are running this game to come up with this idea? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Well, they, well, they've obviously got, they're following they're following the rules that the sort of COVID rules that they that they came up with, aren't they? But but actually. Common, common sense, common sense to me says, why not let Sale have a have a game in the final? Because at least they weren't a losing semi finalist. And to be fair, they probably should have been in the semi finals had they had that game. So give them the second chance if they've got a, if they've got a team that you know a COVID safe. Well, well they course, a lot playing in Manchester, and they by all accounts, and what seems to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit of a stretch. But... Yeah. So we're suggesting that the current political crisis in Manchester was called by, caused by Diamond. Steve Diamond. Steve Diamond. <laughs> right. good, good, good. We can always blame him for something, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, now we kind of jokingly, before we started recording this evening, and we did kind of jokingly say that, you know, if enough people get COVID or have got COVID, potentially Gloucester could get in the final. Because, you know, there might not be any other teams. So, Snowy's come up with a brilliant suggestion. Uh, and it was definitely Snowy. So, lawyers, please tell me. Go, go, Snowy. What was your suggestion, mate? I don't know what you're talking about, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been before I joined the podcast. Yeah. It was so, so, something about sealed packages and white powder. 
think so something like that <laughs> yeah it was it was but, hey let's be fair the only chance of us winning anything anytime soon is to infect the rest of the league uh, is other, well, other well, like the, terrorist incident it was Bath had the white powder issues wasn't it not Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Ed, you had us up singing white lines at your bloody wedding because hey, of this. Ed, you edit it however you want. We never listen to it back. That's fine. Um, I didn't wonder why it was <laughs> four down this week. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. Yes, yes. As, 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 as Lars has suggested, it, it was at Bath, they did have a little bit of white line fever, um, indeed. Um, but, so... I mean, any any sort of final comments on the final? I mean, if if it's Wasps Exeter, are we expecting it to be an Exeter win, quite a comfortable win, or could there be an upset? I think there could be an upset because I just think Wasps are playing superb rugby, and I think they might counteract Exeter's game quite well. Um, that you know, the, the defence of both sides is fantastic, but I think it'll just be an incredibly good game if. It gets to you know, be played with two predominantly full, um, fully fit teams. Yeah, that's yeah, a I, I we, we that's don't know which we don't know which team we don't, we don't know which t- we don't know which players have been tested positive. It could be the shit ones. Yeah, if if well, that's one way of putting it. Um, <laughs> if if this has basically been the wasp team that steamrolled rolled everyone since we've come back for uh, well, we're doing fantastic before. Lockdown, but since we come back from lockdown, it's absolutely steamrolled everyone. This would have been one of the great games for a long time. I think we probably would surpass the Champions Cup final that we've just had. But we just don't know who's going to play. We don't know if Wasp can put out a full strength team, then it's going to be a great game. And I think if Wasp can play a full strength team, then I fancy Wasp to do it on the basis that they've not been through the battle against. Rassim this yeah, week. I was going to come but, on to but, this. but they haven't trained for like two weeks because um, after the semi-final, they had a couple of positive cases. They basically went into lockdown, didn't they? So they haven't actually done much training. So they might not be as sharp as we're kind of used to them being. Mm. Or they're rested up nicely. Well, yeah. Because they, they haven't knocked seven bells of... out of each other for the last fortnight. It's a fine training. balance, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it um, I, yeah, I pretty much concur with those points. It's, it's It will be a real shame if there are players missing or if it gets cancelled simply because they're such like yin and yang teams. So it would mm. just be great to see when they played. They only played a few weeks ago, but Exeter only put out um, a B team, basically. So it didn't really tell us anything. Um, so I'd, fi- I'd find it really hard to call. If Exeter can really control the game and make Wasp play the way they want Wasp to play, then... I I I think Wasp will be up against it, but if they can't, if, if Wasp have got enough string to their bow that they can still exploit some of the exciting stuff we've seen out wide, then um, yeah, I can see Wasp taking it. So it's really really hard to call. I think it will be as Lost says. It, this I mean, I kind of am just hoping now that they've managed to nip it in the bud and they can get a side out on Saturday and it's a decent side because it could be. I mean, it genuinely could be one of the best games, best finals. Uh, for a long time. I mean, the final between Exeter and Wasps when Exeter won it was one of the best finals um, ever. Um, went to extra time and was won with pretty much the last kick of the game by Steenson. So um, hopefully something similar um, would be would be a really nice way to finish off a very, very, very odd season. Um, and then uh, we'll be into international stuff 
Um, and England are going to win the Six Nations, obviously. Um, and um, you know, we'll we'll laugh at the Welsh. I mean, it was the oh, that's an that's an interesting point. Will the Welsh game happen? Because they're now in lockdown. What have they said about that? Because it's, it's, Card- it's Cardiff. It's Cardiff as well, isn't it? It's, it's, it's well Scotland. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I've got a feeling. Uh, yeah, professional sports have got a bit of a dispensation, yeah. haven't they? So they're, yeah. bio, they're biosecure bubbles, they tend to yeah. be, don't they? They so, have their mm. special passports that they can travel and stuff. But be interesting. Be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Because there was something I saw on Twitter, actually, which was uh, today, which was, uh, I think, it, the Welsh government. If I don't know when the game is, to be honest, it might be. It's not. Uh, I think it's the end of the second week of um, the Welsh lockdown, I believe. So I be- so it's really important that the Welsh government, if they're particularly uh, being stringent on this lockdown, that they stop people from various families watching the game in each other's houses. Because uh, all the pubs will be shut. So, yeah. um, so are you talking the Wales Scotland game? Yeah, which is on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So that's during the lockdown. Yeah. So yeah. Elite, elite athletes can travel, but then you've got to ask for the TV coverage and everything. There's a lot of supporting people that would have to travel as well to set it all up. And are they covered by the same exemption? I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, for, this is for a point. lockdown. Yeah, I think I think they are because um, Racing were were limited, weren't they, with their numbers? Um, they they right. were able to bring 50 in total. So they were able to bring their 30 playing squad or yeah, 30 playing yeah. squad or whatever it was and 20 extras. So they were really, really limited because um, I believe whether it was immigration or European rugby or whoever basically saying, you know, does the, uh, does the president of Racing need to come? And it's like, well, he's the president of Racing and he owns the club. So, yeah, kind of. We, we can't not let him in. Um, but yeah, I think they were being really, really tight on it. So, like, no family and friends of players were allowed in, for example. No. no. Well, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Sorry, that was gone. I was about to say it was just a ridiculous situation. You know, 27,000 seats a stadium and they could only take 50 people with them. Yeah. yeah, because social distancing in a stadium of that capacity is actually very, very easy, isn't it? And yeah, but you can have a thousand people indoors at where was it the other day for something? Um, the Regal. Oh, well, uh, it, it, it was two. It was it was a thousand people watch. Somebody made the point. It was a thousand people watching Arsene Wenger uh, oh, at the Palladium, yeah. um, but you couldn't have. Uh, on the same night that England were playing Denmark, I think it was, uh, in a 90,000-seater stadium and you couldn't have any fans. Um, you know, but there we go. I mean, it's we've crossed, we've done that to death, I think. Unfortunately, we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, 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 um, But no, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. So that's the, um, we're nearly the end of the season. Um, we will uh, we will keep going and we will still keep recording uh, whether anybody listens to us or not, I don't know. But um uh, next week we will be chatting about the final. Uh, we will look forward to the Six Nations finally finishing, um, and uh, and some of the other international rugby between now and the start of the new season. And um, hopefully, hopefully, we can look forward to a, a promising and exciting Gloucester season for the 2020-21 Gallagher Premier. Yay! Come on, Gloss. Go Gloucester. Yes, you can tell by our our enthusiasm that we are obviously really, really positive. Uh, Anyway, um, well, we just we just want to be able to see it, don't we? Let's let's be honest. Let's hope that there's a little bit of movement and we can actually go and watch it. I think that seems to be the thing that's holding everyone back at the moment. 
It'd be lovely if we could go yeah. and watch it live, wouldn't it? Um, just a bit. I mean, to be fair, Snow would be just happy to leave the house. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, not washing cows or apparently whatever he was doing this afternoon um, right thanks so much guys um, I appreciate it again and we will speak uh, well we'll speak again on, on, on social media etc but we will be speaking again and about this time next week cheers Ed cheers, cheers. guys cheers, cheers Ed. Ed. see you man.